0: So the last time that we gathered, we took a look at the book of Matthew chapter 20. We actually studied Matthew chapter 20 in two parts. And again, if for some reason uh, you weren't with us or you're watching via the internet and you didn't see those studies, if you'd like to study Matthew chapter 20 with us, you can always go back and find all of our teachings on SoundCloud, iTunes, YouTube, um, you will find find us there by searching A Love Outreach, searching for A Love Outreach. And our website is aloveoutreach.com, where you can also find all of our teachings available as well. But with all that said, today we're going to go ahead and take a look at Matthew chapter 21, and we'll see how far we can get through the chapter. So if you haven't already, please go ahead and open your Bibles up to Matthew chapter 21. Of course, Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. Matthew 21. And let's go ahead now and we'll jump right on into verse 1. It says, Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So what we're seeing being testified here of in the scriptures is what many people call the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. But the thing about this is, is that he's actually headed toward the day of his crucifixion, the day of his death, right? Now, of course, none of us would consider this kind of event in our lives as being something triumphant. We wouldn't use that word for a situation like this. But since we know that Jesus conquered sin and death through his death, Right? For you and me, he conquered sin and death. We are the recipients of the benefits of that. Jesus was indeed heading toward a triumphant event. right? Though to him personally, it's his crucifixion. Okay? And verse 10 continues and says, And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet. From Nazareth of Galilee. So there's quite a big stir caused here that we see happening here in this story. And all of this is the fulfillment of prophecy. Hundreds of years before, it was said by the prophet Zechariah. Zechariah said, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly, and riding on a donkey, a colt of the foal of a donkey. And you'll find that in the book of Zechariah, chapter 9. And also the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 62, 11, he said, Indeed, the Lord has proclaimed to the end of the world, Say to the daughter of Zion, Surely, Your salvation is coming. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. Okay, so here comes Jesus, the the fulfillment of prophecy coming into Jerusalem. It's a triumphant entry, but yet will they receive him? We know, in fact, that they wouldn't receive him. Many are praising him here, but many of these same people that are praising him and laying down their clothes on the road and doing all of this, They're they're participating in something that they probably don't quite understand. This is the fulfillment of prophecy. But not long from now, they'll be shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Okay. So back there in verse five, we see that it says that of Jesus that he is lowly. It says that this is a word that speaks to his humility. You see, he wasn't a brash in your face, stick your chest out kind of king. That wasn't how he was coming in. That was more of what they were looking for. They were looking for a political leader, but yet he was the master, the creator, and the ruler of everything, but it says here he's lowly. Like I said, again, that speaks to his humility. He was worthy of all praise, all the praise that he was now receiving that we see in this story. He was worthy of all that, but yet the world and the rulers of the world's system would not receive Him. Instead, they would crucify Him. They would kill Him. But even in all His humility, His lowliness, He would go on here in verse 12 to demonstrate His zeal for the things of God. So Matthew's giving us a story here. We're seeing that, he, that how He came into town, how He came into Jerusalem, and everything that was taking place. It was the fulfillment of prophecy. But then we see in verse 12, then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all of those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And you know, it's sad, but in all too many ways, today, churches are being used to buy, to sell, and to get gain. And people are going to church today in many cases just to consume for themselves what is being sold. Some churches that I know of personally have had in their past or presently do still have paid musicians, non-Christian people that come in and lead the worship, you know and and that's they're paying these musicians they want they want to offer good music okay and they can't find the talent from within the congregation so they're going elsewhere to find it but it's it's more like running more like a business you know than a fellowship many churches today do talent searches for the best communicator the best pastor that they can find you know only to find out later that they've hired an adulterer. You know, churches today are offering financial seminars to teach you how to become wealthy. You see, church, as Jesus is saying here, isn't supposed to be about that. It's not supposed to be about buying and selling and consuming and all entertainment and all of that kind of stuff. It's supposed to be a house of prayer, a house of reverence, a sanctuary, a place where the body of Christ gathers in reverence, right? A place of refuge, a place to escape the things of the world. We work enough every day out in the world and we see all the money changing hands and all the business of the world and all of that stuff that's going on. That's not what church is supposed to be. And Jesus is pointing that out here, right? It's a place where we should go to learn and grow in the knowledge of spiritual things, right? Matters of the heart to learn about the kingdom of God. When when you go to church to be entertained and amused or to just prosper yourself, you're really nothing more than a thief yourself, a thief amongst a den of thieves, right? So Jesus, as Jesus called it here. And then verse 14 says, then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant and said to him, do you hear what these are saying? See, because they didn't realize that Jesus was worthy of all of this. He was worthy of all this praise, all this honor, right? So he he was using the temple, though. Jesus was, as he's in the temple now, he's using it for what it should have been used for all along, a place where wonderful things are taking place, as it says there, a place where blind people could be made to see, a place where the lame could be made to walk, a place where children could cry out and sing the praises of the Lord. You see, today there are many spiritually blind and spiritually lame people. The earth, the world is full of them. They need salvation, right? And it's tough today to find a place where the true kingdom of God-seeking people gather, right? A place where people desire to be like Jesus and where they come to give and not to receive, a place where the love of God is truly seen and made known, where compassion is being shown on people as Jesus is doing here. So you get the contrast of two different things in the church, a place where they're buying and selling and getting gain, and it's all about them and what I can buy, what I can sell, how I can prosper, or the place that Jesus is showing that it should be. You see, Jesus doesn't approve of the den of thieves type church, but he does approve of the church where the children praise him and the blind eyes are being made to see and the lame are being made to walk. And he goes on in response to the priests and the scribes here in verse 16, and it says, and Jesus said to them, yes. In other words, they said, do you see what's going on here? He answers the question, yes. There's a period right there, right? Yes. And then he says, have you never read out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have perfected praise? So again, Jesus is the fulfillment of prophecy. They don't realize who just came into their midst with this triumphant entry, right? He is the Messiah, the one whom the Jews were waiting for, but their priests and scribes were clueless, to the truth of the written word of God. Jesus is pointing out to them, have you not read? Why? Because it was already written that all of this was going to take place. They couldn't see what was right in front of them. And you know, there is so much truth right in front of you and me today as we have our Bibles. It's all written in the pages of the Bible. But it's so amazing how many people are still blind to the truth of the Word of God, spiritually blind and spiritually lame, because we don't see what's right in front of us. We don't see what God wants for us, because we're too distracted by all of the buying and the selling and the getting gain that we're not looking at things in a spiritual manner as the Lord wants us to do. The story continues in verse 17 and says, Then He left them and went out of the city to Bethany, and he lodged there. Now in the morning, as he returned to the city, he was hungry. So Jesus didn't obviously lodge at a place that was a bed and breakfast, right? He didn't get served food or anything. He leaves there, he's hungry. And verse 19 says, And seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it but leaves. And he said to it, Let no fruit grow on you ever again. Think about that. He's speaking to a tree. Let no fruit grow on you ever again. Immediately, the fig tree withered away. Now, Jesus didn't just randomly go about doing this kind of thing. He had a purpose and a reason for everything that he did while he was here on this earth. There was something to be taught. And there was something to be learned from everything that Jesus did. And he's walking with his disciples here. And a disciple is a student of a teacher. Just simply put, that's what a disciple is, a student of a teacher. Now, I'm a teacher. And at this moment, you are listening and hopefully learning uh, something from what I'm teaching. But you are not a disciple of me. Right? Because all I am doing as a teacher of the Bible is pointing you to what has already been taught, to what has already been written down. I'm just having you look at it with me here, right? And I'm, I'm pointing you to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith, Scripture says. It, the Bible says there is one God and one mediator between God and man, and that's Jesus Christ. So He is the one that we are to look unto, the one whom for the joy set before Him, He endured the cross, despised its shame, and is now seated down at the right hand of the Father. He is the one and the only one that you and I are to be disciples of, the only one that we are to praise. So as Jesus taught his disciples, right, we see here in the written word, it's written down for us that we can grow too. We can learn. What is Jesus doing here? I've said that Jesus had a point to everything he did. Why did he curse this tree? Why did this happen? What was there to learn? And in our lives, sometimes as we're, not really sometimes, I would say all the time, as we're going through things with our eyes fixed on the Lord, there's going to be things for us to learn. There's going to be things for us to grow in as His disciples. And He's taking us through these situations and He's teaching us things. He's teaching us deeper things, spiritual things, matters of the heart, matters of the spirit, things like patience, right? Kindness, faithfulness, gentleness goodness. All of these things He wants us to learn, He's teaching us these things. And it's not always easy, because sometimes we'd rather just have things handed to us on a silver platter, rather than learn something the hard way. But sometimes learning something the hard way is the way that Jesus is truly teaching us internally. And there was so much for these disciples to learn, and there's so much for us to learn. And verse 20 says, And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How did the fig tree wither away so soon? In other words, how did that just happen right in front of our eyes? That Jesus just spoke to this tree, and immediately it happened. But who is this that spoke to the fig tree? Was it not the creator of the fig tree? Colossians chapter 1 says this, verses 15 and 16. It says, He is the image, speaking of Jesus, listen to this. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, that is by Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on the earth, visible and invisible. What are some of the invisible things on the earth? Atoms and things like that. Things that hold everything together, right? Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. That's what it says of Jesus. So this is the reason that it would be so simple for Jesus just to speak to a fig tree. And for there to be an immediate reaction from that fig tree. He's the creator of it all. But Jesus is going to now use this opportunity to teach his disciples. And he's going to teach them about faith and prayer. In verse 21, it says So Jesus answered and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith, And do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. Now, there's a couple of things I want to point out here as we read that verse. It's always a tough verse to read and and try to say, how does this apply to our lives, right? Well, for one, I want, to put, like I, said, I want to point out a couple things here. For one, I am not and you are not Jesus the Christ, right? Your purpose, my purpose on this earth is not identical to the purpose that Jesus had while he was physically here on the earth. He was accomplishing something. Again, he's making disciples. He's preparing these disciples for something, right? And I and you were not one of the original disciples. 12 apostles of Jesus Christ. This is an, an important point for us to remember here as we read a scripture like this that says you can, you can speak to that mountain and you can cast it into the sea. Right? We're, we're not Jesus, nor are we walking with Him at this point in time as He was with His disciples. You see, in the New Jerusalem, The heavenly city that Revelation chapter 21 talks about, there will be a wall around this city, right? And and the wall will have 12 foundations upon which it is built. The heavenly Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem. And Revelation chapter 21 states that, it says, Now the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles, The Lamb. So you see, there is something very unique about the 12 apostles. They were hand chosen and they were face to face taught by the Lord Himself. This was a very unique time in history. Okay, and they had a a foundational work to do. What was the work that they were going to go out and do? They were going to go out and spread the gospel. They were going to spread the good news, tell everybody all about Jesus, and it all started with them. They were the foundation of what you and I stand upon today, okay? They were the foundation of all of that, and we are, like I said, the beneficiaries of that. They would receive special powers, and they would receive an anointing from the Lord directly, and they would Go about healing the sick and even at times raising the dead back to life again. But every time you see a miracle like that in the Bible, every time you see something like that happen, it wasn't just to make people feel good. The gospel was then spread. Every time there was a miracle, someone was receiving salvation. Someone around them was looking and saying, look at this. I need God. I need this in my life. Today, the gospel still goes forth. And today, many people still come to salvation. And they come as a result of something in their lives. They've heard the gospel. Somebody preached it to them. And then there was a circumstance that brought them to their knees. Maybe the death of a family member, something else, some other tragedy in their life. And it crushed them. And then they remember the gospel, right? Something happened. Right? And, and these men here, like I said, they, they received special power from the Lord. The Lord himself breathed on them, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost at one point in time. That's not how it happens with you and I today. It doesn't work like that today. We're not walking around face to face with the Lord today as they were. Okay? The word apostle means one who is sent. And these disciples were indeed sent by the Lord himself directly directed by him for a special mission. But none of them ever had to move mountains nor curse trees. None of them ever had to do that. So this is a teaching moment. Why is Jesus bringing this up to them? did, Did he want them to physically go around and be an interior decorator of the earth? You know, I don't like that mountain over there. I want to move it over there. I don't like that one. I'm going to cast it into the sea. You know, it had nothing to do with that. He's teaching them something here because he's going to use them. Okay, the faith that they needed was the faith to go on and preach the everlasting gospel in a world where they were going to be killed for doing it. And they themselves were going to become martyrs. So they needed this kind of faith just to survive day to day. And Jesus is saying, you can do this. What I'm doing, you're going to do. You can do. You're going to go on and do this. He's preparing them for that. And if there were some reason or a situation that had arisen where they needed to curse a tree or they needed to move a mountain, then they had the strength and the faith to do that. That's what Jesus is telling them. As long as the Lord gave them that strength, as long as they were in His will doing what He wanted them to do. But even though... We are not one of the original 12 or 13, if you count Paul, that were directly chosen by the Lord Himself, right? We are still a people that need to walk through this life by faith, okay? And if the Lord calls us to a special mission or some sort of work that that we need certain power for, then He will give us the power by His Spirit, right? The measure of faith that we need to accomplish the task that is at hand. The Lord will give that to us. I want to have you go ahead and turn with me now to the book of Romans. You can mark this page. We may come back to it here. Um, Romans chapter 12. So we're in Matthew right now. It's Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. So it's to the right. And I want you to look at Matthew chapter 12, because I just brought something up. I just said something to you here where I said that the Lord would give us to you, if needed, the faith that you need to do whatever he wants you to do, just like he did with the disciples. They had a big task ahead of them. None of us have shed blood for the Lord. None of us have been martyred or even stoned or even beaten for the name of the Lord. But these men needed that faith. They needed what they had. There was a certain measure that was measured out to them that's not been measured out to you and me. So Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. This is the Apostle Paul writing, right? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So right there, right, we see one thing that all of us are indeed called to do. Every one of us that is a believer in the Lord, we are to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. This simply means that in all that we do every day, we are to do it in such a manner where we're conscious, we're, we're conscious of, of what God wants. We're aware of that. We're saying, you know, what's your will today, God? My life is yours today, God, today and every day. We take up the cross daily and we follow the Lord and we present ourselves to the Lord and say, what would you have me to, to do today? And maybe the Lord says and shows us and opens a door. Somehow he shows us to do something. It gets put on our heart to give or to do this or to do that or to speak words to somebody that need certain kind words spoke to them. And then what do we do? By faith, we do it because he gives us the measure of faith to do it, right? We wake up every morning with the mindset that we wanna do today that which is pleasing to God. The words of our mouth, the meditation of our heart should be acceptable in the sight of God because we've presented ourselves to the Lord as as living sacrifices, okay? We're alive still on the earth, we're living and we're giving our life to the Lord. And we all have the faith to do this. We already have the faith to do this. Now, do we step out in faith and do it? That's up to us. We have to make that decision to say, I'm gonna step out today and I'm gonna tell this person a kind word. I'm gonna give this person this. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do what the Lord Wants me to do today. Verse two goes on and says, "And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God." So here we obtain some more insight. We we are to uh, what we're not to be like, right? To to we're not to think like the rest of the world. We are to be thinking about what the will of God is. That should be our thoughts. We present our bodies, living sacrifice. We wake up every day. This is who, this is here. Here I am, God. You're worthy of all of my praise. You're the creator. You're the king of kings. You're the Lord of lords. Everything I have is yours. And then we're to make sure that we're not conforming to this world, becoming like the world around us, okay? Not thinking like the rest of the world. We're to to be thinking about what the will of God is. And this will, again, this will pertain to everything we do on a daily basis. How we live, how we move about, how we think, what we support and what we do not support. We have to renew our minds to be in line with the will of God. And we, again, we all have enough faith to do this already. And it's required of us. We see it in the written word here. It's required of us that we do this. So the Apostle Paul goes and gives further instructions in verse 3. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one measure of faith. That's what I said earlier, right? There's a measure of faith. These disciples needed something else. They needed, they were about to go through some things that none of us have ever had to go through. And they needed the power and the strength and the faith to go through it. And it was mountain moving faith. Okay. But there's a measure of faith that the Lord has given us. Verse four says, for as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. Notice that right there: many members in one body, the body of Christ. today, unfortunately, the body of Christ is so fragmented, so broken up, so spread spread out everywhere. This church's meeting over here, this we're meeting here, and this one's meeting there, and all that. We're kind of all spread out all over the place, and it would be very difficult for all of us to gather at one place anyway, so there's no problem with the fact that we're gathering all over the place. But what we have to do when we read the scriptures is realize that there is one body made up of many members and we do not have the same function, it says there. I stand up and teach like I do here, right? And I do so based upon the measure of faith that the Lord has given to me. I do not try to teach that which is beyond the measure of faith that I have been given. You as a disciple, as a, a member of the body of Christ, you have a function in the body of Christ as well. You may not be standing up and teaching as I'm doing, but you're, but God has something for you. And when you present your bodies as a living sacrifice to Him, He's gonna move in your life and use you in that way. Right? We want to live a life that is directed by obedience to the written Word of God. What we see here written, we have to be doers of. We have to do what we see here, right, that we're reading. And you must be willing to transform your mind, to think differently than once than you once did before you came to Christ. Everything, everything gets thrown out. Every concept, every notion that you had, every worldly thing that you had, that you grew up with, every way of thinking, or to come to Christ and be renewed. Old things pass away, it says, and all things become new when we come to Christ, right? And like I said, we already have the faith that we need to do these things, but there is more for you to do in accordance with the measure of faith that you have already been given. And I won't go any longer today here in chapter 12 of Romans, but there are many examples given here of what you are able to do within the body of Christ as a member of the body of Christ. Christ, things like ministering, giving, showing kindness, showing mercy, showing cheerfulness, right? You don't need mountain-moving faith to do any of these things. You just need the faith that the Lord has already given you. You have the ability to give. You have the ability to, if you have the ability to give, give. If you have the ability to teach, teach. So I say, I stand up and I do it by faith. I don't think much of myself as a teacher. I don't think highly of myself. I just take what the Lord has given me in this measure of faith and I do it. If you have the ability to minister, then minister. If you have the ability to be kind, be kind. We all have the ability to do these things. We just need to step up by faith and do them. Right? And again, these things don't take mountain-moving faith to do. Okay. So actually, I'm going to go ahead and keep this study short for today because as we go into the rest of Matthew chapter 21, we're going to kind of go in a little bit different direction here. We'll pick up Matthew chapter 21 at a future time, Lord willing. But let's go ahead and close in prayer for today. Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, thank you that you give us instructions. We were just, as a family, we were here last night and something came up, uh, an old song, and it spells out Bible, the Bible, B-I-B-L-E. And it, it, it it says, basic instructions before leaving earth. That's what Bible can, an acronym for Bible, basic instructions before leaving earth. So, Lord, as we gather here, we see these instructions. And in so many ways, they're basic. They're elementary. We see that there's things that we can do. Again, you teach us just as you were teaching your disciples then and showing them what they needed for the life that that, that was ahead of them. You today in your word show us what we need for the life that is now before us. There's so much more to learn. There's so far that we have to grow, Lord. But we can't just sit back and do nothing, Lord. We must walk by faith and not by sight. It doesn't say sit still in your faith. It doesn't say lay down in your faith. It says to walk. There's an action required from us, Lord. We must walk by faith. And I pray for all of us here and for those listening to this audio or the video, Lord, that we will do that, Lord, that we will take a step of faith today to be obedient to your word and to to live in the measure of faith that you have already given us. There's no reason for us to go out today and move a mountain, physically move a mountain. There's no reason for us to go out and curse any trees today, Lord. But there is reason for us to be obedient to your word. There is a reason for us to spread the gospel. There is a reason for us to love others as you have loved us because that's what you want us to do, Lord. So I pray, Lord, that even in this short time together, even in this short study, that we would take the meat of your word today, Lord, and that we would act upon it and that we would live it out. Lord, have your way, Lord, Oftentimes we pray, Lord, and ask you to change this circumstance or change that circumstance in our lives when it's the very circumstance that you are allowing in our lives that we can grow in you, that we can do something about. And you want us to be active in our faith, living sacrifices. Lord, serving you with every ounce of our being. I pray, Lord, that this would be the case for all of us. And Lord, thank you for your teaching of this Word today by your Spirit. In Jesus' name, Amen.